Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you certainly now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, August 19, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J-Cat Morris. Got a few things to talk about. Um, before any of that, though, definitely, I got at this time, I got to welcome back to the show a good friend of mine, one of the best managers in the business, the leader of cult fiction, half three, Billy Graham. What's going on, Billy? Jay, hello. Well, you, hey, listen, bro, you've known me for how many years, so if I'm calling you up to talk, together for the first time in so long and I'm not trying to influence any of you kids out there. Remember any stunts Billy Graham does are strictly those of a trained professional at self-abuse of mind alteration but guess what I'm doing when I'm sitting down to talk to you at the beginning of this conversation. Guess what I'm ingesting right now, you know what I mean? So, um, yes, I'm a smoking a big fatty and talking to you, my brother. How is life treating you, my friend? Great, man, great. So, um, you know, you're out there in California. You've got a lot of big shit going on. We're definitely going to get to that. But, you know, beforehand, let's go all the way back. Um, you know, when you were a kid and you got into wrestling, you know, what were your favorites? What were your favorite things to watch that really drew you into wrestling? Well, 
because I'm older than dirt and I'm I'm really giving shit away that usually I say, like if a chick asks me, you know, it's like I, I'll tell you, but then I'm going to have to kill you. But the first show I attended was in 1964, and, and Dick the Bruiser and Bulldog Don Kent were on the show. So, And, I mean, I in, in the uh, late 60s, I was going to Market Street Arena in Philly where the WWF was filming their TV at the time and saw, you know, Bruno feuding with the, the real mob enforcer, two-ton uh, Tony Galento and the Batman with two Ts. And the first match for Vince Sr. of the Arkansas Ox, who is, of course, one of my mentors, the, the late Ox Baker, and in and, and a handicap match with his partner, Armand Hussein, versus Gorilla Monsoon, shit like that, into the early 70s, going to the Hamburg Fieldhouse, where the WWF was filming the shit. Then, kind of, you know, like anyone would, getting in a band, teenager, late 70s, you know, I paid attention, but wrestling wasn't really cool anymore. And it started the early 80s, like kind of before the whole phenomenon, you know, of everything breaking out really big. It just, I was paying attention and I just ended up attending Starcade 83, being there in the house for seeing uh, my friends, uh, later in life, friends, acquaintances, uh, heroes, Greg Valentine and and, uh, the late Roddy Piper uh, in that infamous dog power match. And uh, so, I mean, and, and, uh, so, you know, in the 80s, of course, during the boom, I went to see everything there was everywhere all the time. And I think about 84 was about the first time I started trying to knock on doors and get in it, I guess. And mm-hmm. it was a little different back then. But uh, I would say the people that influenced me to absolutely go from being just a big, huge fan and just loving the shit out of it to saying, I want to be part of that. Um, in no particular order would be Roddy Piper, Greg Valentine, uh, the Grand Wizard, Bobby Heenan, and, uh, you know, Ric Flair. Uh, like, you know, I, I never had any, uh, you know, uh, illusions really about being a, a wrestler. I'm just too fucking mm-hmm. skinny. And even though once I started trying to get into it in the 80s there when it was the thing to do, I... I did the steroids thing for quite some time and gained 30 pounds in my arms and chest and still had the rest of my physique quite the same way it is now with the legs that you see only usually hanging out of a bird's nest. And, you know, there you have it. But, um, you know, as far as later on keeping going, I mean, just, you know, being inspired that managers are an extinct species by design by certain individual in the business and, and, you know, Indie entertainment, bro, all of it. I don't believe art, no matter what form it is, including pro wrestling, belongs controlled by the corporate fucking bigwigs, okay? Big brother, fuck right. you. So you. Okay, go ahead, brother. Yep. So you uh, you know, you know, decide you want to get into wrestling. Um, you know, you're not so sure you want to be a wrestler, but at, you know, at some stage you definitely want to get in. You want to do the managing thing. You know, What road do you take? How do you get into it? Where do you train? It was really weird because I, you know, because of my other shit and other aspects of entertainment, you know, I was in a situation where I would run into some people and like befriend them and things. I can remember, uh, oh man, like Farm Aid 4, uh, you know, my friend Tom Kiefer, my former bandmate was, was performing at Farm Aid 4 and 
Um, I was kind of standing up there on the side of the stage at this big event when my friend was on the stage in this jam. And when I came walking off, this dude grabs me and asks for my autograph, and it was Brian Knobs. And Brian Knobs thought I was in Cinderella because he saw me. <laughs> He's like, no, I know you from somewhere. And, blah, blah, blah. and then it turned out Brian Knobs was, like, drunk at his bar in Florida and just on a whim in the middle of the night saw Farm Aid was happening in Indianapolis, got on a plane drunk, with no money in his fucking pocket, because this is when he was an AWA wrestler before they had went to WC, you know, NWA and then WWF. But anyway, I mean, I end up fucking getting this bro, like fucking putting him up in a fucking hotel room where like the A star place where everybody's staying because of my hookups. I got him riding with me on the, on the golden uh, family's uh, tour bus, which is, you know, William Lee golden from the Oak Ridge boys had all his sons out there with a soul. I we're like, right. It's like me and Brian knobs and William Lee golden, that motherfucker with the beard down to his, you know what I mean? The cool country guy, right? Like, and his whole family, his yeah. son, rusty golden guitar player. We're riding, getting dropped off all this crazy shit. And like, Oh, so many times with like, yeah, you know, knobs, like I really want to get in the wrestling business. You know what I mean? No, you don't. Well, no, but, like, dude, really, I want to be a manager. And, like, I'll tell you what, no, wait, I left one person out of that equation of one, a person who said, you know what, yes, was, was Diamond Dallas Page. Because right when I was getting the idea that I wanted to try to do it, he broke into it. And, you know, there I right. was at the time yeah. I lived in South Jersey. He was from South Jersey. He wasn't, you know, he's a little certainly even from the start bigger than me, but he wasn't that big when he started. He was a rock and roll guy. He could fucking talk. And he wanted to be a manager, man. He really seemed to get it. You know what I mean? So, like, I was a, you know, I would say DDP was another guy that, that pushed me, you know, then. And, of course, later knowing him, still a great inspiration in life, you know. Another guy I'm blessed to, you know, have a friendship with, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so so you get into, you know, where do you go from there with knobs and uh, actually getting into training? Uh, well, I mean, where it finally eventually led, which was what was really weird, was after, I think this is weird. Hey, Toby. Anyway, I'm um, in the rest of CF, past, present, future, and always everyone is CF that ever was CF. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, uh, uh, what I was going to say is what happened, ironically, was, and I guess not ironically, or just it would figure, I don't know, I hate using, misusing words in, in the English language, the 25-cent words sound like an illiterate fuck. But anyway, uh, what it was was I got a call from the Monster Factory. And they were mm-hmm. having, like, kind of like a call, like, to bring people, like, you know, like, okay, if you're into this shit, this is the day we bring people. You know, kind of like what any school does now, what CZW Wrestling Academy, you know, we would have those days every few months in CZW when everybody would show up at the door. But, like, I got the call saying that somebody there had seen tapes of my band shit with me spitting fire and snakes and running my mouth and basically cutting promos because of my band. Like, one of the things that I did that people didn't get especially in the era, but what made it over the top and got me the rep I did in that genre was that I basically, as a, you know, hard rock slash punk metal performer, acted like a wrestling heel, you know, and worse, you know, but I just was constantly cutting promos on the world, on the government, on the weed, on the conformity, on religion, on, you know, and I'd be wrecking places and getting in trouble and having cops called and shit like that and explosions and people sent to hospitals and, you know, all that shit, you know, caught yeah. lots of naked girls around pools where shit smashed up and, you know, like all that good shit that young, healthy people do, you know? So, but, uh, so they had seen these tapes of me and 
said they heard a rumor that, you know, I can, and like they got it that I was doing when they saw this shit, they got that I was doing my shit with my band going into these clubs, like getting in trouble and banned and thrown out and all this because I was acting like a wrestling heel, you know? And, right. and so they got it. So they said, well, we're having this come up. And so I went up there and it went okay. And, you know, then a little ways into it, like, uh, you know, somebody pretty much really took advantage of me in a way that um, many of my friends, a couple of whom I've mentioned, it certainly would be uh, experienced people <laughs> in, in the wrestling business that I've mentioned earlier in this little talk we're having right now. Even they, Greg, Hot Rod, others, when hearing the story of what had happened to me there, um, all could agree that it was outrageous and that it was not correct. Ox saying, you know, that this is not what's done to someone trying to come in, especially some skinny fucker trying to be a manager. You know what I mean? So I ended up with uh, uh, a slight cerebral edema, which is, you know, my fucking brain was bleeding, and um, every muscle and ligament in my entire neck, 360 all the way around, torn multiple concussions, um, and the thing was like, see, I let this fucking motherfucker do this shit to me over and over again. And I just kept swallowing my own vomit in the middle of the ring. Like I wouldn't, my thing was like, I can't show any of these fuckers any weakness, you know what I mean? <laughs> Cause look at, you know, and then when it got to the point where I was really seriously injured, a couple other of these boys there, man, like jumped up in the ring and fucking went at the motherfucker when they saw what was happening. And uh, the thing is the guy later became like, you know, a job, well, you know, like one of those mid-card WWE novelty act guys that never, you know, I mean, wasn't, you know, he's not some acclaimed WWE world heavyweight champion, but he was holding right, tag right. titles at one point. And I just, I just don't want to say, like, you know, I guess what I want to say is I'm not here today to, like, say anything bad about anybody in the business or any kind of shit like that, because right, I'm feeling right. so good about the business these days after so long of having to come to grips with like a lot of shit, man, and stuff like that. And really wrestling is so full of so many, uh, you know, great things and great people and people that have treated me great and, 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 you know, accomplishments that were good. So as far as any shit that, you know, went like, I have absolutely no grievances against anybody from the past. I, I don't, I wish them all well, even my most notorious, you know, public, uh, tete-a-tetes, let's say, with certain individuals and me in the business, you know, like, nah, man, like, still, like, you know what, we're all people that are passionate for the wrestling business, that work together, that even even amongst us that had those grievances, or well, many times we put on a show together and we work together and, you know, we entertain the fans, and it's part of the, the, the myth and the fabric of, you know, the history of indie wrestling, you know, and, and so why... Why shit on that? Why shit on the memory of any friends that were involved? Even, you know, same thing. Like, you know, they could be feeling one way at one point, but there's a whole story there, you know. So I give everybody the credit for the things that they did that were right, you know, rather than kind of trying to dwell on the things that they've done that, you know, we, we had a heat with each other or something like that, you know what I mean? Because I just, right, life right. is too short, man, you know. It's too short. So sometimes things... I'm 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 no angel, bro. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I was right about everything there ever was or anything like that. But the one thing, even I think my enemies could agree, at least with me, is that you know when I, when they were enemy, I'm not calling them enemies now. Let me clarify that. I'm saying to say when I was having heat with somebody, the one thing they can't say about me, bro, is that I'm not coming from the heart. I'm not being straight up about how I feel about something or right. something like that. You go know to I me mean? whether they like it or not. 
where they like what I'm doing, how I go about it or whatever, I don't think even my biggest detractor would ever say that I'm trying to be full of shit. You know, so um, I but I, so I don't want to talk about the guy that hurt me, brother, because this right, motherfucker right. made all this money and then sued the fucking Phillies because his wife got hit with a fucking fly ball and got paid fucking millions of dollars and shit. You know what I mean? And I never fucking would turn on his business. I would, you know, these fuckers that try to sue somebody or some shit like that. You know, old fucking mass transit, whatever. Sorry, the kid's dead, but motherfucker, you like you got what you deserve. Disrespecting this fucking business, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, okay. So then, um, you know, you, you bounce off that, you know, you get hurt, you know, in training and, uh, you know, the guy acted unprofessionally or whatever the case was, but, you know, pretty rough way of coming in. How do you, you know, transition from that and keep it moving and find, you know, the right place to actually continue, you know, doing what you were trying to accomplish? Yeah, it was weird because after that, like, I kind of ran into a couple other things too. You know, that I started trying to work with for a little while, like a couple other promoters and a couple other trainers and shit like that, and i get involved for a month or so, and then it was not cool either, and I just kind of like, so, so I mean, because the shit that happened at the Monster Factory was 92, so, um, and uh, so I, I guess it was like probably 96. Five or no, nine, 96, I just said, fucking, this shit sucks. There's just nothing like, you know, there, it, it's like a closed-door policy trying to get in with the boom. There's so many people already established that, you know, have the po- political connection, the social connection or whatever, the career already to get somewhere in it. You know what I mean? And the, and the little shit just was really bad, man. It really was horrible. It was horrible gym shows with... 15 people and trying to run some, you know, seven-year-old friendly show with a mix of 90-year-old guys and people that weren't trained and should have never been, you know, it just, so I didn't see anything in it, man. It's like a lot of shit to do. So then I just said, fuck it. And then a couple years later, man, I started seeing like this IWA Mid-South and then fucking right after it, I started seeing Combat Zone Wrestling and I was like, the fuck is this, man? Like, you know, this is fucking great shit. This is something. Look at all these great wrestlers. Look at all these great characters. Fresh faces. Like, oh, fuck, look what they're doing with the, just everything. And it wasn't just the, the deathmatch stuff and the ultra violence. But, and, and it never has been. I mean, I support and, and I'm a huge fan and mark for everything that goes on in the indies. And, yes, those peg, companies might be pegged, as being, you know, because the the, the ultra violence is always going to get a certain level of notoriety and attention. Some of it good and some of it bad, depending on what kind of moron or cool person you are. And um, <laughs> so so uh, but I mean, all the great wrestling, you know, that, that exists on the indies. And look at you know the same companies that are slagged. Uh, Jay, how many people that are a main part of the program right now in New York are people that work shows with me in those same companies and work. <laughs> with others that work with me in those same companies for how many years while they were being slagged. I mean, I, I think we're past the point of whether anyone thinks that the indies are legit proving grounds and places to develop talent that could be all the way to New York if that's where they need to be or that's what their desire is. They can get there. And yeah. the indies being alive is a really important thing to the business. You know, it just really is, so... But uh, uh what, yeah, so what I year saw, did you I become saw, aware of the the Indies, the the IWA, the CCW? What I think year did you it, first I think start? That, 
yeah, that was like, I mean, I, I think like 98, 99. It's like kind of a blur in there, you know what I mean? But because I don't, I don't even remember really which one I saw first. You know what I mean? Of the two companies, I just started seeing yeah. that stuff. You know what I mean? And seeing some tapes and everything and going like, wow, right? And then, so I just started getting into it a little more, trying to see as much of it as I could and say, man, I could, like that I could get into. Like, where were these fuckers, like, when I was trying to do it? You know what I mean? Like, where were all yeah. these guys at? You know what I mean? And like, fuck, right? And so, where I'll just jump you right ahead. So what happened is, to a horror film thing I was doing, I was working in Cinema Wasteland Convention in Cleveland, Ohio, and um, a, a, the friend of mine there uh, that that runs the convention, uh, Ken Kish, pointed out to me. Remember, I told you I know some of those guys that work those indies that you like, that that IWA and CZW, and I'm like, yeah. He's like, they're here, and I go, they are, and he goes, yeah, and I go, where, and he goes, we're there, and it was Toby Klein and uh, deranged Brandon Lee. And uh, and so you know they didn't know I knew who they were. It's, it's a great work of my of my life that they came. So eventually I waited and waited. They came walking to the table, you know where I was working and and uh, I was showing something else. Uh, this film that never got made, but anyway, um, uh, not me, not me. It wasn't one of my films that never got made of the many that haven't. But but it was it was uh, it was something else. So anyway, finally they come strolling up. Hey man, what's up, man? Like start talking to these guys, and I'm like, I can't wait. I'm like, so what do you guys do? You know what I mean? And fucking Deranged goes, we're professional wrestlers. You know, like fucking like a complete, total fucking cock, like kayfabe, fuck you, tough guy, fucking attitude coming out of him like instantly, like the first yeah. fucking thing that came out of my, his mouth, which I loved, you know, I was like, I'll check him out, man, he's fucking kayfaving me and shit, right, like, you know, like, I'm gonna fucking go, like, isn't it fake, or something next, you know what I mean, so he can fucking, right. like, uh, you know, butterfly su- suplex me, like, through Bill Heinzman's fucking zombie gear and shit, like, on the next table, you know, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, and so I, I go, yeah, well, um, really, where do you guys wrestle? You know what I mean? <laughs> so telling me, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I saw some, you know. And it was like, well, you know, if I may speak frankly, they go, well, hey, you know, do you smoke weed? I go, who, me? No, never. Yeah, let's, so within within 15 minutes, we were like out in the car smoking some weed together and just getting to know one another, like talk about wrestling. And, you know, they're pretty soon of just becoming friends in the ensuing days and weeks and whatever, they're like, come on, dude, like, you got to get back in, you know, and of course, as soon as I met, you know, brain damage, very shortly thereafter, um, Marvin, same thing, and they were all like, you got to get back into this shit, you got to get back into this shit, come on, do it, you're great, you got great ideas, you can talk, you can, you know, like, I'm like, okay, like, well, what do we, what do we do, you know, and it started from there, and so it, it started very obviously with me working, you know, shit out of the way and and uh you know not on dvd and not on smart mark and not for cdw and not for iwa or any top-notch indies but little shows elsewhere you know and then working yeah. on the thing that's getting me in the other places so um now which one did you actually get into first because i know it was right around the same time i know you, you know you did the double death thing and um uh, I, I know you had, you know, Cold Fiction start out in CZW, but... No. Okay, well, which one? the way it really, 
the the way it all really worked, I, I, this is a tale that should probably be told, is that, I mean, I first came to CZW Live in um, February or March of 2005 was when I went to my first show there. And, you know, okay. I had Toby and others, you know, talking to Zandig and Mike Burns and to Maven Bentley and others about trying to, you know, get me a chance you know, to start there as a manager. And, and uh, there was some kind of false starts very early on in that, believe it or not. I mean, the first uh, the first show that Marvin worked, the first, I think that was TOD4, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, TOD4 in 2005. Um, basically, I got the phone call from those guys that it was a, it was a green light from, from, from Mike that I would be managing Marvin. At, at TOD, so imagine going all that way, you know, getting there, all excited, we're all excited, you know, we're happy together, and then getting told at the last minute, well, there's been a change of plans, we're not going to have him have a manager, and you're not going to go out there, and then being there for that day when everything from the John Blood, you know, to all the mayhem that was there, the, the Pondo pencil bump, the Nick Gage getting lit right, on fire, right. Danny Havoc lightly lit on fire. I mean, just the crazy shit that happened that day. Robbie Moreno just fucking, you know, <laughs> uh, I love that with Kingston and Zandig and him. And just um, uh, also, you know, I, I guess another thing, you know, Marvin getting to debut there um, and, and Toby bring it, just everything that was there. But I guess another thing that I'll always remember about that day is that even, in, you know, getting to hang out with JC, uh, something that despite that great disappointment and that indeed if you look on the SmartMark DVD you can kind of peep me once in a while standing over there to the left of camera on the entranceway mm-hmm. in my straw cowboy hat or whatever right so uh, but what it is is that uh, despite all my own personal disappointment that day the concern for the guys that were getting hurt um, and uh, I, the other thing that sticks out was Joker and the fact that he had been in Iraq, you know, in the middle of a war for months, mm-hmm. and there he was. He's home for just a few days, and he's working Tournament of Death. And right. to me, that's just something that's always going to, like, like it overrode the the suffering and injuries of others that were present, that were volunteering to take part in stage combat and mayhem and it overrode my own personal disappointment of any desires I had that day. And it just, you know, I still just wanted to be part of CZW. I wasn't going to be discouraged just on that, you know. So with that false start, and then basically was there all through 2005, all the time, and then all the way in the beginning of 2006, and nothing was happening. And So finally I stopped going, like, mid-2006, and then right. very early in 2007 I got a phone call. And so, ironically, a couple other stars. So, first thing, May 2007, the promo there, then TOD. But also, ironically, that after all that, I would end up, after TOD, going in with IWA doing the Point Proven show in the arena a week before the the, the, the CZW House show that followed, you know, the arena show after TOD. So, even though I started with CZW first... And CZW was my goal at that time. I ended up working my first show in that arena where I attended so many legendary shows and promotions as a fan, you know, and had that honor first 
by going and doing a an IWA show there, managing uh, Toby and and uh, Dylan against uh, Loki and Homicide. You know, so right. Um, yeah. That's why I knew it was so close that uh, just to tell which one was first, it was it was right there. So. Um, fucking Chris, Chris Hero on the commentaries calling me that fucking guy from ECW, the, the ECW fan, you know, the, the guy that looked like half a, half a Rocco from fucking Boondock Saints and half a fucking uh, Rob Zombie guy that would hang out with the Hawaiian shirt guys, you know, like Chris Hero was calling me that guy, like, like it looks like that guy from ECW and, and shit, and then fans started asking me if that was me, and I'd be like, yeah, that was me. But, like, I would go to those shows, but I wasn't that guy, people. I was not that dude. I was not sitting up in the front, and, like, it wasn't me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so, um, you know, what was it like, you know, getting into, uh, start at least with the IWA thing. Uh, you went into the IWA and, um, you know, worked with all these guys who, you know, had such big names on the indie scene. And as far as deathmatch wrestling goes, some of the biggest names that were anywhere. You mean just overall with IWA from that? You mean from yeah. that casino? Then after I well after I did that first show with them, then I didn't do another show with IWA till I think almost a year later, maybe a little less than a year, maybe ten months later in two thousand and eight when we started kind of like a, a, a the run that we kind of did with Call Fiction there, you know. Um, right. But um, well I I mean IWA I mean that's the thing just from that first night you know here here you are I get to go out there in the arena with and, and I'm. I, you know, Toby and, and Dylan, but on the other hand, you know, Homicide and Loki, man. I mean, how fucking cool is that? You know what I mean? So, you know, and, and, and uh, I just, Homicide, he's so cool because we have these couple little bits in there. And, like, he was kind enough and cool enough to give me a little more. Like, he, he liked how I was with him. And so, you know, he gave me a little bit more than he agreed to give me or anything, which I thought was just, like, a really nice thing. He made me feel really good. Uh people just like Sean Hernandez and, and Spike Dudley and all these kinds of people I've run into there at different shows, like just always gave me, uh, you know, such encouragement and stuff like that. And just kind of, right. you know, clicked and, and dug my shit. I, of course. And of course, uh, deranged and brain damage and tank and, and, and iceberg and all these other cats were on that show, you know, uh, Jay lethal, stuff like that so but i mean as far as the the run in iwa and the deathmatch workers and stuff like that i mean look there's a lot of people there that are just such brothers you know to me um you know lane tank uh corporal robinson um you know are, are dudes i love that i was really really fortunate i didn't i didn't know roland for a really really long time we just got to know each other there in the last you know six to eight months of his life, but we had become friends, and I just, I, I really respect him, Mitch Page, um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of him as a guy, um, certainly the shit that was done in IWA Mid-South as far as King of the Death over the years and things like that is just, and not, you know, like, again, I think that they should get credit more for all the, you know, like the other styles of wrestling that they showcased for so long. I mean, they IWA Mid-South for a really, really long time just put on, like, the coolest fucking shows in the indies, you know, just consistently, like, regardless of any other shit or perception or, or, or turnout or anything like that. I mean, Ian booked a lot of really, really great fucking wrestling shows, you know, and that's ultimately what this shit is about, is, is you know, like booking wrestling shows and putting guys over, and, and he provided such a stage and opportunity for so many people, you know, to be seen all over the world, 
through being on that product, you know. So I, I, I like anybody. I mean, also, you know, shit like that. You know, you don't you, whenever you're working. I mean, anytime you can work and hang out with Sabu. I mean, dude always has Terry just has always treated me really, really well as a person. You know, it'll be like, dude, you got weed or you got papers. You know what I mean? And off we go. And and he's just. I mean, he even gave me a gimmick that came from his uncle, you know what I mean? So that I'm waiting to use, and I may use soon. Um, just, you know, you can run on uh, Scorpio. I got to be friends with, you know, because of, of, of you know, there. And, and he's been a great friend, you know, through the wrestling stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I love, and, you know, the young talent, that same thing. So many young guys, you know what I mean, that, that were great uh, as far as working uh, in IWA Mid-South. So, just to, you know, to wrap the IWA Mid-South, what was your favorite experience in IWA Mid-South? Whether well, it be a moment man. or a match or... Well, go, man, go. well, I mean, it was, there was a feeling for a time when we first started doing Call Fiction there. You know, because in CVW, mm-hmm. you know, because of circumstances, whatever, I was I was still having a blast being the color commentator. Um, they were, you know, we I, I, you know, at some point during that, finally, I was working with Marvin, you know, with brain damage, you know, coming to the ring with him. But, you know, as far as when we first started being able to kind of really put cult fiction the way we wanted out, and it seemed like IWA was going to go with that. You know, and we started setting all that up and everything like that, and the, the response that the fans were giving to it. I mean, it's just this thing, like you know, Jay. Like the fans want motherfucking cult fiction, man. I mean that that's one thing through all this top to bottom, and we'll jump more ahead through and this and that around about. But what I'm saying is, it's a, it's then and it's fucking now, bro. That what the fans have latched into and lit onto about it. Uh, doesn't that go beyond speaking of any, you know, interpersonal interactions or any? Sh- I mean, nobody killed anybody, man, and and you know, not not literally, you know, not because they tried to or any shit like that. At least I never accused anybody of anything like that, you know. So what I'm saying is, you know, what about what the fans want, man? Yeah, you know, is is that not what the business is about? Is the business not about business, and is the business not called professional wrestling? Professional wrestling. It's not called fucking jerk-off wrestling. Uh, You know, half here, half not there wrestling. Uh, You know, let's fucking make people focus more on this bullshit because of a bunch of fucking internet smarts that don't have no no other ass from the hole in the ground. That's where it all starts. You know what I mean? Fuck this, man. Let's bring this business back. That's why I love when I see people like brother fucking Masada fucking speaking the fuck up, man, about what's ailing it. You know what I mean? It's like why I like what I'm doing right now because there's a lot of people, man, that know there's a different route we can all go, man. You know, there's a lot of great performers in this business and they need more places to work. They need more avenues to develop, you know, to earn a living. And so it doesn't have to be trying to be, you know, a $14 billion corporation, everybody trying to pattern themselves off of New York because they can't, you know, right. but bringing back strong regional promotions that draw, tell stories, people have a fucking plan, you know, and have some fucking pride. Stop fucking acting like we're already fucking at the top of the mountain. Cause we're some guys fucking that, you know, 2000 people give a fuck about us. 
You know, let's make fucking 200,000 people give a fuck about what we're all doing. I'm talking to all you brothers, sisters, man, coast to coast. I'm talking to all of you. You know, all of you. You're all fucking bringing it, man. So get a fucking plan, man. Make your choices with the right people, man. And, and let's change the way things are done, man. Let's put the professional back in fucking professional wrestling. Let's put the fucking wrestling back in it. You know? So... All right, so you get into CZW, you're doing some color commentary, you're able to go in there and, you know, work some stuff with damage. Um, you know, your first Well, no, I mean, we, no, well, I, I'm sorry, but go I just ahead. want to clarify. I mean, no, first, I was working with Toby and Dylan first, you know what I mean? And then the color right, commentary right. era came in. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, you know, getting into CZW and being able to actually do some stuff in there initially, what was it like, you know, working for Zandig at the time? Uh, yes. In this conversation, uh, I think we're going to have to we're going to talk a bit about John from you know through through a chronological timeline. I mean, first of all, um, from the minute I went there, way before a couple of years before I started and got a chance there, um, John just talked to me and treated me very well um, from day one. I mean, it just I guess because we're the same age, maybe come from this you know have a certain kind of attitude, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I can't pick a motherfucker up and, you know, press slam him above my head and throw him off a balcony or no shit if he pisses me off and nobody's afraid of me, but I think as far, and I guess a lot of the people that, you know, are good to me, it's just like, let's face it, man, like, I'm not, I'm not a hell's angel, but I am a fucking outlaw, and, and I'm not, I'm I'm obviously, you know, it just depends how you look at me, I guess. And some people find the fact that I'm just too much. I'm a problem, you know, you can't keep him under control. He doesn't conform, whatever. And I think some people like that about me. So I don't think that John ever thought that I was trying to bullshit him, man. And from the time I came through the door, every little thing that I did, you know, he w- he was always there to fucking acknowledge it. And to give me, it, I, I mean, I can tell you examples of that. I, I, these are great stories, okay? The, the first show in a match, of course, is Tournament of Death 6. So, you know, mm-hmm. finally, after all this begging, I assumed it would involve some kind of heel turn on the part of Toby Klein if he's going to have a manager now when he's this huge over guy. So, you know, you get put out at TOD, you know, where nobody knows who the fuck you are with a hugely over guy as a manager. And and as you know, that TOD isn't even strictly like CCW's real faithful audience. It's partly that. And then there's that other half of the crowd that just comes hoping to see someone die and make fun of what we do and, you know, <clears throat> be assholes. It's just, you know. So we kind of felt like I was being put out there to fail, you know, like like so just everybody would stop bugging to let me have a chance, you know, but I just took what, you know, what I was being offered and tried to do the best I could. But one of the only rules at the time of the company was, you know, no, no un- unauthorized mic work. And so, you know, totally, you know, whenever you have rules like that, certain people, certain veterans, certain people in certain spots, you know, they're going to bend the rules for certain people. So certainly Toby was in a position where he could have grabbed the mic and put over a little quick story in front of those people about why he's got his buddy with him right now, Right to kind of get some fucking wrong kind of heat off me when we're supposed to be faces. And when we got out there, when we got out there, I, I saw the moment was passing, man, and I knew that, that Damage's music was starting to hit, and I made that fucking faithful decision to just fucking jump up there in my first show and grab the fucking microphone and break the rules. And I 
I started off great. My first line, they, they popped for or whatever, or laughed at least, and then I started stammering. And I told all these different stories over the years what that was, but really it was because I was going good. And then from my vantage point in the ring, I locked eyes with John Zandig on the other side of the entranceway. Like, just mm-hmm. eyeballs to eyeballs, man. And, like, I just fucking... Because it looked like he was looking at me like, motherfucker, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, oh, shit, man. You know, like, and so that's the real reason I was stuttering, right? But then, you know, there was the, you know, brain damage, you know. Those guys had a great match. There's a chemistry out there with, with damage being out there with Maven and me out there with Toby and... You know, I, I took some. I took a light tube shot. I had a cigarette slowly burn through my forehead. I hit brain damage with an ultraviolet Bible and caused, you know, the outrage of CZW fans who were suddenly moralists and, you know, and all that. So, like, when, when we were in the back, John just came up to me and said, um, yo, you know, he goes, hey, Snake Man, he goes, he goes, you open in two weeks? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, then I'll see you at the arena then, right? He goes, welcome to CZW, you know what I mean? Because where's that fucking mm. Toby at, man? These guys are getting ready to go out there, man, to congratulate the winner. I'm like, oh, I'll go get him, you know what I mean? So I go find Toby and drag him over there, and I, okay. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, get out there with your fucking guys. And I'm like, dude, go out there. I'm like, I don't fight in the match. I don't give a fuck. He goes, get out there. You know what I mean? And then same with the commentary. He, he listened to me do one match. He heard me do one match, and then he decided to boot the guy next to me, sit down with me, and call a couple with me. You know, and co-signing. And so John just always encouraged me, always was very grateful to me, has actually undersold what he did for me and the way he treated me, including even give me a little something-something out of his wallet on top of what came out of the front to thank me for all the videos I was cutting, things like this. Um, And and we had just developed a relationship to where he was starting to, to directly deal with me and people were not in the way anymore as far as getting some ideas across. And that's what got the whole, you know, hate club versus cult fiction thing going. It was That was my pitch to John and him accepting it. And unfortunately, right about that time was when John kind of like just went, no one knew what was going on. And then that led right into DJ buying the company, you know. So right. um, he had a policy and... Always said, man, anytime brain damage or Billy Graham want to be in CZW, I've always got a spot for both of you, always. You know, so right. I, that as far as that era of working with John as the owner of CZW, um, the only promoter I've, I, I ever, like, you know, really considered like a real friend and really, really got along with and loved as a promoter, and, to, and that's not to diss anybody else, just look, nobody else is going to claim to be all you know, my, my hero or anything like that, right? And that's up till now working with Andre Verdun in UEW. But um, we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, sure. Because right, now I'm working with somebody else I really dig, you know? So mm-hmm. that's John at that era for me. And I'm very, very appreciative. And even later when people try to uh, disparage me or whatever, John publicly came out and praised me. So that's something that I'm, I'm going to always be, you know, grateful for and shit like that, you know, which is something totally different than the other shit. So, Continue. I'm sorry. Try right. to edit my shit. So, um, you um, you know, later in CZW, you had um, you know, jump around a little bit. Later in CZW, you had a really big, um, you know, surprise where you brought JC back as a member of Cold Fiction, and you know, it's pretty yeah. much no one knew about it. Um, you know, he he was hidden and everything. And from what I heard, a lot of the boys didn't we know both anything were. about it or anything. <laughs> 
And, we both um, were. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, give me a little insight about, you know, that situation and, you know, how it all came about. Okay. Well, I guess there's some stuff people need to be reminded of about all that. And, and so, uh, you know, we had the plan, you know, Mike Burns after DJ, you know, became the new owner of, of combat zone wrestling. Um, uh, Mike Burns returned to CZW as the booker and, you know, uh, pretty, pretty exciting on, on that point because, you know, Mike's plan obvious was, you know, to make cult fiction turn heels and, you know, be the main event storyline for the next 15 months of the company after that point, culminating in that cage of death in 2010. Um, and, and, and instantly Mike and I had a very strong rapport and how we were, you know, plotting what we were going to do and, 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 uh, and much credit again from a guy that didn't want to give me the chance back in 2005 <laughs> and in 2006, yeah. right? Honestly came to me and said, you know what, dude, I didn't see it in you, but you know what? You made it and proved it. You proved what it is. Cold fiction is the fucking coolest shit, you know, and this is what we're going to do. And Mike was so kind to, um, you know, kind of like, encourage my input, encourage my talents, my ideas, and not try to hold me and my friends back and, and see that we were a strength, you know, to sell tickets and to build a company around and to, to you know, to put real strong storylines back into it and everything like that. And so with the, uh, so there was an obvious plan that we would be bringing, you know, uh, brain damage would be part of that. And so that was a given at that point, because he was a mainstay in CZW and, and, uh, mainstay with cult fiction and all, all good on that front at that time, uh, as far as our, our relationship, both of us with the company. And so, uh, the idea of building the, you know, the kind of ultra violent four horsemen, you know, level for what we were going to do. Um, and, and, and of course, brain damage and I both trying as much as we could to get Toby Klein and deranged involved at that, at that point and, and get getting, uh, that's not what, you know, there's a whole process in everything that happens, and there's many, many people getting a say-so and pulling and stroking and tugging and, you know, all that do-si-do and round we go. Um, and the same, so right. the same thing began to happen in the process with who these members of cult fiction were going to be. And I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about what cult fiction is in a little bit, which, you know, we'll mm -hmm. kind of cross-reference back to this. But this is just truth be told, and there's nobody that's going to ever tell anybody anything fucking different, that as far as cult fiction goes, there's many times when promoters have tried to script, tell me, yada, yada, tell us, whoever this person's going to be, and then this person's going to join cult fiction, and the answer is, oh, like, fuck, they are. <laughs> okay? So, sure. not for a spot. Not for a spot, not for a job, not for whether you want to fucking go behind me and fucking wreck good business and blackball me. None of that shit <laughs> is going to work, okay? Like, there's a certain aspect. Like I said, we'll get into that, I guess, in a bit. But um, so in that process, now, J.C. Me, uh, first met him in 2005, hung with him a little bit, partying with him here and there, you know, uh, was always, we were always cool with each other. Um, right before he had went into prison, you know, there was a whole thing being set up where he was going to be with us that year in Cage of Death. You can see those couple matches where he was in there in 2007 when he had come back prior to his next trouble after that. And, and uh, so 
so we were hanging out a bit then, and then when he got in his bad way, um, yes, the storyline, of course, was that Billy Graham was the only one that talked to J.C. Bailey and cared about J.C. Bailey and everybody else, his family and friends had abandoned him, and of course, which was not true um, as far as anybody right. else. But it was true indeed, no, that I was not the only one, and no, I was not the main guy, but it is indeed true that I was concerned, conscious of, and keeping people, whether it was when he first got his ass beat, you know, by police brutality, and I was spreading it all over the Internet and showing his pictures, stop police brutality, you know, support J.C. Bailey or whatever, you know, it's like, no, there was a real friendship that had been developing for some time. Um, no, I didn't, you know, fight him at 150 fucking matches before the year 2010 when we were put together in an angle. But uh, when the phone call came, uh, the, the, when, when, when the, what happened with me was we had set the stuff up where I confronted DJ, come back in there, you know, yada, yada, you better do cold fiction in a spot, blah, 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 we do it. And then my heel turn promo in November by myself, and then nobody says anything to me. And so, like, I was, I was just like, what the fuck, man? And we're not doing anything at Cage of Death. So, like, I was going to go to a wrestling convention in North Jersey where uh, the Hammer was going to be at and, and uh, hang out with him and, like, party up there with some of these old-timers and shit like that because I was so fucking pissed off. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? You start this thing and now we're not on Cage of Death. I'm like, you know, I've been on Cage of Death the last two years. What the fuck? You're not talking to me. Yeah, like three days before the show, DJ calls me like, what time are you getting to the arena on Saturday? And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? I'm not. Like, what do you mean you're not? I'm like, I'm not. You didn't fucking book me on the show. He's like, dude, what the fuck? You're on the roster. You know, if you're, unless I tell you you're not booked, you're, you're fucking booked, man. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, what am I doing? He's like, we're not telling you what you're doing. I'm like, what do you mean you're not telling me what I'm doing? You know what I mean? Because I like, you know, I, when I can, I, I like to know what we're going to do, whatever, because I'm getting into character, I'm getting little nuances and ideas, and I'm running it through my mind, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm getting my brain into it, man. You know, sure. it, like, you know, you know me, dude, with believability. It's like the thing I tell yeah. everybody in this business, man, you better believe your own fucking story, man. So better, everybody else in your locker room better believe it, too, because you know what, motherfucker, if you don't believe the story that you're telling out there, then nobody's going to believe it. So for me, prepping psychologically is a fucking... <laughs> Big thing and a great thing. Shh, hold on. Shut the fuck up, bro. I'm sorry my dog is barking people. Shh. I'm sorry. I'm on the radio and this is happening. I got a dog going berserk. I'm such a, uh, you know, like a Mr. Domestic cult fiction compound while all my interview. Wolfie, please be quiet. Okay, thank you. It was just like some rabid squirrel. But anyway, uh, can you put me back on track, bro? Uh, 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 I was at... Uh, uh, we were talking about uh, the uh, JC. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. So um, they're not, you know, he's not going to tell me what we're going to do. Thank you. And right. and I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, no, we don't want to get out there. And it's like, oh, like as if I'm going to, uh, you know, go tell someone or something. And so they're just like, look, so all the fans even think you're not going to be at the show. And I'm like, yeah. And they go, keep it that way. I go, okay. And they're like, you're going to have to come in really early in the morning because all them, those fans start coming in at like 10.30 and 11 o'clock into the parking lot. Like, you know, you're going to have to get there at like 5.30, 6 in the morning, you know, so no one knows you're there. And I'm like, the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, that means I'm going to leave at 3 in the morning? <laughs> like, this, what the hell? Yeah. Oh, we're going to be going on. I'm gonna, 24 hours later, we're going to be starting a match or something, I'm thinking, or whatever, right? So, um, 
I get, and it's the one time actually, even though, yeah, I was all, but like, you didn't fucking tell me, like, I'm going to tell someone, you know, like, want, you know, being a bitch, like complaining, you know, because I guess in retrospect, there's nothing I have to complain about, about what happened that day and that night. So I, right. when I got down there early like that, I, you know, in that little, you know, that back door there to the bingo hall where there's, at that time, I haven't been there a long time. I see it looks a lot different, but, you know, there was that you come into the doors and then there's the space with the other set of doors. Well, I walked into there and Maven and DJ and Drake were standing there, you know what I mean? And I walked in there all giddy. I'm like, you're going to show him what he's, you know, who's going to tell him? And DJ's like, okay. And he's like, and Drake's like, no, I want to tell him. I want to tell him. They're arguing who's going to tell me. And DJ's like, you want to tell him that? He's like, yeah, I do, I do. He goes, come on, come on. He goes, come in here. I want to show you on the sheet, on the wall. You know, Drake says. So we walk into the locker room, and when we walk in there, I walk in, and there's JC standing there. And I just, like, fucking froze, man. You know what I mean? I'm like, fucking JC. And he just grinned, that JC grin from ear to ear. And he's like, Billy Graham, man. And I'm like, Yo, bro, I'm like, what the fuck? And I, I gave him a hug, and I'm like, when the fuck did you get out of jail? And he goes, last night. I'm like, what do you mean last night? I go, what do you mean, what time last night? He's like, midnight. I'm like, dude, it's it's like fucking noon. It's like 11 o'clock noon or whatever. And you're, it was 10.30 in the morning or something. I'm like, you got out like 10 hours ago after being in prison for two years, and you're standing here in the bingo hall in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, and, and there, meanwhile, Drake is like, Billy, look on a sheet about you. I'm like, dude, who cares, man? JC is here. And then, you know, I'm talking to JC at the same time. And Drake's like, no, Billy, look at the sheet. And and I go, but JC, like, are you on the show tonight? He goes, I'm supposed to be. And he's and he's just grinning, you know what I mean? And Drake is like, Billy, would you look at the sheet? I want to show you who the member of, the new member of Cult Fiction is. And I'm like, new member of Cult Fiction? I'm like, DJ's fucking retarded. There isn't any new member of fucking Cult Fiction. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't even think about it. You know what I mean? Like, just like, oh, man, like, JC's here, right? And he's like, Billy Graham, Drake says, would you fucking look at this piece of paper? And I go over and I look at it, and, you know, it says what it says. And I'm just yeah. like, and I look over at JC, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, where are the cameras at? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is a rib, right, to put on some kind of fucking shit on YouTube or something. of like, we're going to trick Billy Graham into thinking. I go, for real? And JC's like, yeah. He goes, well, and, you know, this is the thing, first thing. Yeah, it is, well, you know, if you're willing to have me in it. You know, if you're willing to have me in it. And he's just like, you know, I've seen everything you've done, Billy, man, and I have mad respect for it, you know, and, like, I'm going to have this weird kind of heat and, like, just, like, the kind of direction I need to go or whatever, man. I'm like, dude, like, are you called fiction? I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, fucking A, bro, you know? So that's yeah. that. And then, you know, uh, me, and, me and him, of course, hidden – in that sold-out crowd for that entire Nick Gage versus Thumbtack Jack, Jack awesome opening no-rope barbed wire match, me and JC um, at the back of the of the arena, you know, in hoodies, you know, with our faces covered and all. And then, of course, when the part you don't see on the DVD is that when me and him came barreling through the whole crowd, we were just knocking motherfuckers out of their chairs and knocking them over and shit like that, right? Like... And people up in the balcony thought it was a real fight. They're like, look, a fight, a fight, like, and all, right? So, like, that was fun, right? But um, the whole time we were waiting to go out there, he just kept asking me, like, oh, man, what are those two lines I'm supposed to say again? What am, what am I supposed to say again? Like, he was just so nervous. You know, he yeah. was so nervous, and he was so happy to be back there, you know? And so, I mean, 
it's got to be for me the most electrifying moment of my career in professional wrestling. I mean, let's face it. Uh, because nobody knew, certainly even that I was in the building, let alone that JC was even out of jail. And, right. um, you know, the roof came off the fucking place, and we yeah. had pulled it all off. So much props to DJ and Maven and Drake and, and, and Burns on all that part of it, and, and, you know, all the secrecy. It was all worth the suffering of coming early. It was all worth it. But um, And then you see in the ring, like, when I'm talking in JC's ear, it was because I was having to tell him again what the two lines were because he was just, you know, he was so nervous about it, you know, and everything. And then so after that, going back to how you originally posed this question, I'm sorry that this one is a little bit more long-winded than I think I've kept him today. Um, what oh, it yeah. is is then Mike Burns talked to me, you know, and said, look, Billy, you know, like, JC's had all these issues, and he's like, and, you know, if things follow the pattern they are, and quite frankly, we got to say, like, most of us think he's going to fucking fall by the wayside and fuck up again. We just do. It's not to be mean. It's because we know him, and we're just, we don't want to get our hopes. He breaks our heart all the time. You know, we don't want to get our hopes up, and then, you know, he goes, and that's why there's going to be a few guys here. But this isn't just about that he fits cult fiction. It's, it's not just about that it fits the angle and the spot. It's that, and Mike Burns said this to me, he just said that most motherfuckers in this business are full of shit. And really, they act like bros, but they really don't give a fuck because they'll lead someone the wrong way just to be part of the, the clique and the party. And you're a grown-ass older man that has survived all this shit and lost people and survived your own addictions, you know what I mean? And you're the realest motherfucker that will actually give a fuck about trying to help this kid, you know? And he goes, so you don't have to do it if you don't want it. He goes, but if you take it on, that's what we're expecting from you. To at least get, you can't, you can't work a miracle. And later, Joe Bailey said the same thing to me. He said, look, you know, you can't, you can't be a miracle worker, can't, but you can do everything that you can. You know, I mean, yeah. Joe said, Joe said, when I'm not there, you're his father. And you know, so if it, you know, look, since we got this subject out, I'm just gonna fucking say it. If people want to fucking Talk some fucking shit. I don't give a fuck who you are, motherfucker. And I'm talking to you, motherfucker. Okay, I'm not going to name you. There's only one person. Bro, you know what I'm saying. Okay? Yeah. I want to question what my fucking relationship was with the late, great J.C. Bailey. I will have J.Cat here as my witness. And every fan that ever knew or paid attention to anything, his sister, his niece, every one of them. Okay? about what my relationship was with J.C. and what it was and is with the Bailey family. To, to yeah. disparage, to work it like I'm trying to work some kind of angle. You will forever, forever, all of you will hear the names. J.C. Bailey, the ultra-violent Terminator brain damage, Marvin Lambert, you will hear their names forever. Yes, in promos, whatever you want to call it, always. Because they will always be with us. Every one of us that's part of one of the realest fucking families in this business. So yeah. somebody wants to try me, accuse me of working a work, exploiting somebody. They can suck my motherfucking dick, bro. You know? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's go uh, on to happy let, things again. Yeah. Let, let's go from that. Uh, pretty good segue to... Um, and he was successful. No, I must tag that. I said, wait, that one, I'm sorry, bro, because we were on the thing of what I was supposed to do with him. And, you know, the way the tragedy happens, you know, but I'd like to say that J.C. was clean 
for nearly three months of his life at the end of his life. And yeah. he was succeeding and he was winning. Okay. Yeah. But um yeah, I wanna go on from that to um the the creation of cult fiction. Um, you know, what was the idea behind it? How'd you come up with it? And from there, what is cult fiction all about? Okay, well, I mean, as far as from a uh you know, a, a superficial idea or of it strictly as a wrestling uh gimmick or angle starting at that side of it very obviously you know playing on a cult you know the charlie manson thing uh in and and you know kind of making it was i i've always said it, it was like how do we make the ultra violent four horsemen meets the manson family with mad pop culture grindhouse imagery and grindhouse references and horror you know, a horror, horror movie shit being a big slant and flavor in it and, and all that, you know, like that's, that's on the, you know, that's what, what, that's like the imagery, you know, like the kind of style or the look or the vibe at, at the onset of it. It's been continuous, you know, and, and that, and, you know, half a motorcycle gang, half a cult, half a, you, you know what I mean? Like just that outlaw spirit, you know, is there. And so what, what it really is, I mean, what is it? Who's in it? You know, I guess, look, we're, we're, why beat around the bush? We're getting at this thing that some people want to, like, look, friend or foe, again, I will say, if somebody wants to make some kind of comments about, oh, now the cult fiction is like the fucking NWO, blah, 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 suck my nuts, man. Okay, it, because the, the worst point would be coming from somebody that I would think would get it about what cult right. fiction really is. So what what is it really? Okay, no, it's not like, well, we're the most badass, stable uh, deathmatch wrestlers and, you know, Billy Graham just gets any name guy and convinces him to put on that T-shirt and all this other fucking kind of hoo-ha, bro. All right? Like, nothing could be further from the truth. And the deathmatch wrestling is just a further commonality in a situation. I was referencing earlier that we just wouldn't let anybody be written into it very selective on who becomes a part of it. Um, cult fiction. Any member of cult fiction is a person that, first of all, in and of their own right, has the talents to not need cult fiction. Okay? Uh, many have had lots of accomplishments and been in a certain place before they were ever part of it. You know? Many were and still went on to go other, you know, accomplish many, many things in and of their own right with or without it. Um, but certainly just as with that example of the horseman or anything great, um, with cult fiction, always greater than the sum of its parts. Um, we're better than the sum of us. And so there is a, that person has to have a certain level of, of passion of drive, of bringing it full-blown, attention-wise, taking what we're doing seriously, taking the fans seriously, taking the performance seriously, taking the business seriously, treating others that we work with with respect, um, having a natural chemistry with one another um, has been a part of it, an ambition that we can do more than what's there already. Uh, loyalty, compassion, you know, 
we all in that group at one point or another have had some kind of heat with somebody. Maybe some of us <laughs> a little bit more than others. Um, but again, people who, for the most part, their perception by the majority of people that know them have interacted with them, have worked with them, have supported them, have seen them perform, have performed with them. Our reps with 99% of the people that we all fucking know are what? Are great. You know? Um, so haters going to hate, you know, hate to use the cliche, you know? And right. so as far as who is a member of cult fiction, it's very simple that, and look, it doesn't mean that there aren't other people in this business that certainly have lots of those elements about them that I just explained. Every one of the blackout has those qualities. Right. Okay. And I mean all of them. When I say that, I mean Claude, I mean Nell, I mean Bill, I mean Eddie, I mean Robbie. You know what I mean? The whole, all of them. Um, and, and lots and lots of other people I can praise that way in this business. You know what I mean? But, again, this thing of fitting into this, this idea that we're going to do more. And there are more plans with cult fiction, you know, that are inclusive of wrestling and outside of wrestling. And that game plan's never changed. And the bottom line is, is that anybody that's ever officially in the midst of the course of a wrestling performance with me present had that T-shirt placed on them at any given point is a member of cult fiction and always will be. And it doesn't matter whether any promoter is smart enough to run that. Okay. When the wrestling fans look, they know that it's more than a gimmick. It's more than a script. It's something else beyond that. And certainly the support that it, it received for four years while it's completely stagnant is completely unprecedented as far as what people what just think it's just some stable. Why then? Why then? Are so many people still supporting it and clamoring for it when it in effect didn't exist in front of their face for so long? Because it touched a nerve with them. Because there's something more real about cult fiction than a lot of the shit that <laughs> has got stuff down their throats all the time. You know, they know I'm not bullshitting anybody. They know my guys aren't shitting anybody. No, my guys, my and my new bro, my new bro that ain't a guy, you know, ain't bullshitting anybody. Sage, you know. So right. so I'm just saying, the whole the whole crew, you know. So who's called fiction? Yeah. Toby Klein, Deranged, Thirteen, Masada, Tank, Freak Show, Matt Tremont, J D Horror. Sage Supreme, Ox Baker, J.C. Bailey, and Brain Damage, and Half-Breed, Billy, motherfucking Graham. That's cult fiction. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, definitely want to get into, you know, what you're doing right now. Before I do that, I definitely want to touch on the topic of the lost art of managers and, you know, what they mean to this business. I mean, you've held true to it for you know, the entire time I've seen you out there and, you know, I think it adds a ton to wrestling and so many people have drifted away from it. Even, even as far as a Robbie Marino, he'd much rather be a wrestler now, which is fine. You know, I mean, whatever, yeah. you know, was within his dreams to pursue. Great. But, um, you know, he was, you know, for, for quite some time, one of the best managers on the Indies. And now that's, you know, that's kind of in his past. Again, you right. know, I mean, whatever he, he wants to do, great, but well, it just leaves one less. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, great topic, great question. Awesome. Thank you. Something I have a great passion for, obviously. And, and you know, you know that Robbie Moreno is half-breed Billy Graham's favorite manager in the pro wrestling business. But I always, Absolutely. always still distinguished that he is a wrestler, okay? And so yeah. he, he was a wrestler who can wrestle better than 50% of the workers, at least in the business, if not more. And uh, I'm so happy for him, what he's doing. And certainly his personality yeah. isn't going to go away because he's playing a different part in the script, you know. Um, but yeah, of course. that's the one thing. And, like, of course, the best at it. But what I'm, I, I always distinguish myself from him in the fact that I'm not a wrestler. You know, I'm a manager, right. and that's it. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit – I got work. I got less to work with when it comes physically – you know, and it's I, maybe I'm stupid or uh, dumber, more dumber. But anyway, but you know, like, dude, Robbie, such a big inspiration to me and always encouraged me and, and just would make me just, you know, just strive to be even better. You know, and then I look uh, really, you know, uh, after that, like, you know, I just got to say, man, like, and it's not an egotistical thing. I am the fucking best at what I do. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. It's not an egotistic. I wish it wasn't true. I wish there was like 500 fucking managers in the business that blew me the fuck away. I really do. And I'd like to do everything I can to make sure that there are. And yes, this is about the art. I want to, you know, Dewey Donovan. Great. Awesome. Love him. You know, um, I, I, he's a manager I think is really good. Uh, we've got a guy here in UEW, um, Danny Monchichi Ramirez, man. That guy is just, he's up there. You know, and he he really, I think he has so much more even yet to come out of him. And I just think he can be one of the greats as well. He's got so much fucking talent and personality. And that's, a, that's just straight up opinion. And we've got some other people that are, you know, Slam and Stu and, and Ryan, you, you know, that are developing that, you know, I, I, that thing, that idea of, of making sure there's other managers is something that I guess leads back to what your question is about the lost art of it. I mean, because it's so extinguished and gone, it's like with everything else. I mean, you know, look, I'm not a wrestler, but there's a lot of wrestlers that can look at what's going on in the ring today and say, what the fuck? Like, that guy doesn't even do an armbar right. He thinks he's putting an armbar on a guy, but, I mean, just this basic shit, man. You know what I mean? Like I said, I'm not a wrestler, but I see it. You know, so when you, at a time when you see, like, the real wrestling, like, the shooter shit, like, real submission holds and, you know what I mean? The Stuhart dungeon shit. When you see that, you know, that mat wrestling, like, disappearing from it, I guess it's not even anywhere near, you know, to think about the manager part of it. But it's not only, in, it's not in any way just a loss in part of pieces of the story that are told what managers' roles are in the drama that's unfolding and in the physicality and in the communication that's going on both kayfabe and shoot, you know, in the situation. Um, and it's that, you know, most people don't realize because it's a lost thing that managers were always actually traditionally a half a work and half a shoot. You know, that right. it was traditional for a manager to be involved with, like, overseeing that the guys would get where they needed to go work and helping them get some of their bookings lined up and going over shit with the promoter and their storyline so he could be the middleman and then watching out for his guy's interest if this didn't look right the way this was going down. And, yeah, making sure they eat, making sure they get bailed out of fucking jail. 
making sure they get off the airplane. You know what I mean? All that stuff. So all the great managers in the business, whether it was the great, you know, Ernie Roth, the Grand Wizard, you know, J.J. Dillon, Paul Ellering, Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart, like all Jim Cornette, very obviously all these cats, like, were involved in creative. They were involved in the business aspect of it. They were involved in the overall production of the product with the, you know, with the companies that they work with. You know, so you can see, uh, you know, I don't think that the WWE or Vince particularly killed managers because he didn't like what, you know, remember the WWE with, you know, there's 10 managers and everyone had one and the characters were such a big thing when it exploded. Who would have thought they would be mm-hmm. gone? But they were gone not because, in my opinion, of what they lent or didn't lend as characters in dramas or in stories or as props and matches. It was because that these guys are watching out for the interests of workers and they're getting involved in what the workers do and they're part of the political process. So it's a business that's always driven, you know, to keep everyone on their own and driven apart. There will be no union. There will be no cohesiveness. You got to worry about yourself, motherfucker. This is about you. You know, that's, that's right. how it's done. You know, and I don't believe in that shit, so I don't give a fuck if it gets me to WrestleMania. I just still don't fucking care, man. That's not me, man. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so go, go ahead. Redirect me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you're doing um, some big things out there in California. Or mm-hmm. UEW. And uh, definitely, I want to hear about it. Okay, well, I mean, the first guy that, oh, man, I got so much to say about one person right out of the gate. But, what you know, because we were talking, bro, you knew the deal. I come out here, I'm going through all this fucking shit. I got to get over, you know, like, where does this fit in my life again? And, like, I'm missing it so fucking bad. We've got 15 promotions just off the top of my head that I know of here in SoCal. And, you know, I start checking shit out, making feelers, meeting a couple people here and there, maybe having someone talk to the guy. Hey, this dude's over here. You think, you know, and just wasn't finding anything I really connected with. So very strangely, I saw this UEW start running last year, and I knew I didn't put the pieces together right off the bat. Uh, It took a while about who's involved and things like this. But when I saw it, I was like, and it's like half not there, but half there. And I like some of this shit. Wow, these guys are kind of like up my alley. You know what I mean? So I'm already checking them out. And then jump ahead. And I was thinking about going down there and just like knocking on the door. Like, hey, I'm fucking half with Billy Graham. Like, can I be part of your wrestling show? Um, you know, but uh, I, I fucking get this fucking call from our brother and longtime friend, Homeless Jimmy. Um Homeless Jimmy, who's a part, not in gimmick, not in angle, and shit like that, a member of cult fiction, but certainly when you think of cult fiction at its inception with with, uh, Toby and Brandon and Marvin, Deranged Brain Damage, and myself, and little 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 Brandon, uh, crazy out there, um, the other member that never gets mentioned of this little group of real core people to each other that were together before they met me. Um, Jimmy just has been part of that inner core little group of brothers with us for going on, you know, it's in its second decade of years that we're working on with it, you know. So um, I get this call from him, and he had been in Florida for seven years, and he says, this is like four or five months ago, you know, guess where I am? 
he's in L.A. I'm glad he's here. I just want to see him. He goes, oh, it gets better. And then he starts explaining to me. And then he starts – and then I, I started to put the pieces together on um, Andre Verdun, who is, you know, owner and CEO, I guess, or co-owner with uh, Michael Romans, who also, I guess, manages the, co- the company. Um, but in other words, I, I knew of Andre, and I knew of the Vandal, and I knew of his shit in XPW, and I knew of his, you know, the controversy with some shit he had done before he had been trained – and knew that, you know, certain friends of mine knew him, you know. And then Jimmy started watching me in and to where I could put all the pieces together. And then I started seeing who, who some of the other people were there. And, like, you know, now J.D. Horror. Um, crazy thing, because I just watched him go from someone that was, like, watching what we were doing to becoming a worker in his own right and just rising and creating this character, you know, uh, you know, like all these things, basically what I'm saying started happening organically. Um, all the right pieces start falling into place. And, and a very, very big part of that credit belongs first to Homeless Jimmy for, you know, he, he's brought it, you know, uh, and, and, and to Danny Ramirez, I believe, as well, you know, who's, who's a new, uh, you know, is a part of the UEW locker room, one of my, one of my uh, nemesis is right now, but, you know, on the real um, I believe someone else who's who's trying to, you know, bring something to the table, bring people in and get something going. I think he might have been the first one to actually reach out to Jimmy. I don't know how that part all played out. But, um, you know, yeah. I certainly took an approach that I wasn't going to just prostitute cult fiction. I'm not going to just go out mindlessly and get it back going again. And that really, quite frankly, that I wasn't interested in being part of anything strictly on a point of going out there and performing you know, as part of the show, but that if I was going to put my time and efforts and passion and heart and effort and, you know, pick myself up, dust myself up, I got to be full blown, brother. You know what I mean? I got to believe in something. As long as you know me, dude, everything I do, man, am I not a hundred percent passionate and full driven and whether it's the movies, the music, the fucking wrestling, you know, you you know me, bro. So like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put myself into it, I was like, look, it's got to be a situation of that you know obvious blossoming creativity, of developing young talent, of being part of a team that we put together that has aspirations of creating the top indie that there fucking is, and and that you know I'm gonna be brought in to be part of that process at whatever level of, of being involved in the production values, being involved in the writing, being involved in the storylines, being involved in the booking, being involved in helping the young talent. You know, not this other fucking shit road that it was, you know. So thanks to Homeless right. Jimmy with that, you know, that he believed that about who I am and what my talents are and what my contributions should be to this business, like many people that I've proven that aspect of my talents to before. And then the next piece is that Andre Verdun, you know, Jimmy was so knowing in all this because it turns out that my new boss and, you know, owner and promoter and the guy that I'm working with is like my fucking long lost fucking brother from another fucking mother and is so on the same page with me. It's fucking unbelievable what we're coming up with. It's unbelievable what is going to happen with this fucking company. And, you know, 
This is not a fucking promo. Everybody listen, man. I hope you guys are all backing us up all over the country with the, with the indies and everything and can get behind what we're doing, man, to believe in what I'm saying to you, man, because we've got something special going on here. We really, really do. We're putting a lot of the right people in the right place. You watch. Our production values are going to improve. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about how it's filmed, what the sound system, the lights, the fucking explosions, and all the fucking icing and fucking jimmies and glitter tits on top of the fucking chocolate cake. I'm telling you that we've already got the major components, and we've got the plan, and it's not some pie-in-the-sky dream. Like, there's a buzz here, and there's something happening here that's really special, man. And, you know, we've got people like yeah. E-Boy in the locker room now, Human Tornado. And this is, a, this is an environment not of no, 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 we can't, we can't, no, well, not any reason why. Why can't you do it? Because I didn't think of it. Oh, no, why can't you do it? Because people might like that more than what I'm going to do. Why can't you do it? Oh, for no non, no sensical and sense reason at all. This is an environment where the owner and the management of this company are saying, yes, let's create, let's fly, let's create great storylines, let's, you know, let's create, create great characters. So it is with great joy that I announce here publicly for the first time on Yakuza Kip Radio, in addition to the shit that you're seeing happen and play itself out in front of the cameras, that this is official, that I indeed have been placed by Andre Verdun and Michael Romans in a position in underground empire wrestling as being a part of the booking of the shows with them and, and you know, the writer, the, the main writer maybe for the company right now. I don't know, but, you know, it's, it's us, all, us three putting all that together and, of course, having a lot of uh, input from our people, you know, and we're going to create an environment where people are not lost, wondering if they're going to have a spot, wondering what they're going to do next month. We're, we're going to create a, a situation of people being in the loop, being secure, having a plan. And like I said earlier, because you know what, if a motherfucker cannot go out there and believe his story, nobody's going to fucking believe it. And if nobody's going to believe it, nobody's going to buy a fucking ticket. Okay. So I'm, I'm off about all this bullshit in this business, Jay. I am off about yeah. it. We're fucking, you know, it's like like I said earlier, when I saw what fucking Brother Brig was saying down there, the fucking international definition match superstar Masada, just calling it real, man. Brother, if you're listening to me, Brig, man, what you're doing down there in Texas, man, you got all of our support, brother. You know I'm there. Anything you need, that goes for everybody. Homeless Jimmy, KD Har, Sage Supreme, Andre Verdun, UEW, dude, anything that you're doing, Brig. Down there, we got your back. And fucking my little my my little boy, my little dog, my little doggy with the biggest bite, my son, my pet, lucky thirteen brother. I am so proud of you, and and both of you guys, man, Brig, and and Kevin. Seriously, every time anything came up over the last few years, and somebody asks, wants to ask me, you know, who's a part of cult fiction? Brandon, Toby. Every time it's come up, what's what's going on? You know what I mean? Matt Tremont, you know, and I'm, I, you can, people can just listen to your show, Jay, yeah. and hear what was said when people were asked. Okay, so the fucking band is getting back together, motherfuckers, all right, and fucking UEW is fucking rising. The underground is motherfucking rising, and it's going to start this Saturday night to get a whole nother level at Blood Brothers, man, on Saturday night, right at the UEW Arena, man. It's going to be the fucking shit, people. Uh, it, it, yeah, I, I am fucking stoked. I'm stoked. And not only that, we, we've got a, you know, if you, I can put a little thing over about the matches there. Um, personally, I am calling out anybody. That I, oh, hey, I should, you know what, Jay? You know, I didn't say something else here. Wait a minute. What about the two uh -huh. new members of Cult Fiction? 
What about the two new members of Cult Fiction? J.D. Horror yeah. and the Pumpkin Queen, Sage Sin. What about that? Did anybody see it coming a mile away? I mean, for real, could anybody have ever seen that beforehand? Because some people out there, you did. It goes back to what I said about a natural fit, right? And so yeah. it, they're, they're, both of them made their names in their own right are so talented, have so much to give to this business. And the charisma, the the connection, that that thing is already there, and it's going to be there with everybody involved in this family. Um, and I'm just looking forward to being a part, being lucky enough to be working with them, lucky enough for them to be part of our family, our new little brother and little sister. You know what I mean? It's just it's fucking awesome, man. And it's just like... Uh, what's that saying on the back of the shirt, Jay? What's it say on the back of that cult fiction shirt? To the death. Yeah, and you know what? It's proven to be not only to the death, but beyond the grave, hasn't it, brother? It's proven that. Yep. You know. So if anybody wants to think it's just a catchphrase, again, you know, swing on these nuts. And and But, I mean, I'm just so excited about those guys and what we're going to do and the stories that we're going to tell. And, like I said, they don't they they fit into that same exact mold. They didn't need it. It just makes it right. That's who they are, man. You know, that is who they are. They are cult fiction. So, man, I, I, I'm just excited about them. I'm so excited about them and the response, the way they've been welcomed. And, you know, like, you know, Toby was so um, for that, you know, uh, addition. And, and the range has gotten behind it. And I, I hope everybody else is seeing it. You guys are digging it. I know that the fans are loving it. And, uh you know, let's put it this way, going back to that thing I was saying earlier about people trying to script people and I you know, and and, and I, I we got we got into the thing about the deal with J C you know, never really talked about when, when thirteen or, or uh you know, Masada came in, but you know, obvious with Masada what what else can you say? I mean, you know, like you know, uh, wow. You know, like I I mean look, bottom line is just the fucking is there anybody better? I mean, is there, like, you know, at all? Um, what a, what a, uh, what a, whatever, what he has to teach everyone in this business, man. Like, that, for me, every time we could work together, you know, I could be learning something. I could be being elevated. You know what I mean? And, and, and uh, you know, with, with 13, with Lucky, with Kevin, whatever you want to call that uh, nation of intoxication motherfucker, I mean, what you know was I wrong when there were so many guys up for that spot when it came down to it? It seems so much simpler when he tells the story how he got in. I love I love when he tells the story, right? I wish it could have been simple for me like that, bro. But <laughs> if anybody thinks I was wrong about who who we decided, I, I just can't. I don't see it because again, everything he's accomplished since, and I'm so glad that that you know, cult fiction could be a part of, you know, him getting to do everything, you know, that he got to do, you know, because certainly, sure. you know, it was a fork in the road for him, man, and I'm so glad that he's proud of it and that he's always stood by it and he's, you know, he's right now saying, get the fucking reunion tour together, Dad, and I'm like, it's happening, dude, you know? So please, everybody yeah. listen to Yak as a kick, man, like, please pay attention to what's going on in the underground, underground empire wrestling, because you're going to be loving it, and all you guys... 
out there in, in uh, Radio Land in the business, man. You guys be paying attention, too. And I just, Jay, you know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering about now that I've mentioned that I have, you know, a little bit of input here, you know, a little bit of what's going on with the writing and the booking of this company, right? I'm wondering how many old friends that haven't talked to me in a long time are going to start blowing up my fucking shit and stuff. <laughs> like, oh, dude, man, yeah, it's been a while. Suck my dick, motherfucker. If you ain't... If you ain't down with me like that, you ain't. You know what I mean? But, oh, man, we're going to have some mayhem on Saturday night, man. Andre Verdun and Homeless Jimmy versus BC Killer and Kruger, our enemies. Uh, Pumpkin Queen, Sage Sin, is going to fuck the shit out of anybody that gets in the ring with her. I don't mean in a sexual manner. I mean, she's going to beat their asses one, two, three, the middle ring after she kicks the crap out of them. And J.D. Har is going to retain the UEW heavyweight death match, since he's declared it that recently, championship, and beat the crap out of some uh, cracker redneck from SenCal Pro named um, Sludge. I think the guy's name is, oh, Sledge, I'm sorry, I can't remember. And then after that, our, um, the voice of UEW, Kyle Wilde, is going to beat the crap out of the voice of SenCal Pro, Jay, what's his fucking nuts? Uh, Jimmy, what's his nuts? Jimmy, Jimmy Ray, what's his fucking nuts is the guy's name. But um, Kyle's going to kill him. And, you know, my plans are going to dominate um, my enemies' minds, and we're going to, you know, lay waste and cause mayhem, as is generally the rule with Call Fiction Jay. So I have to, right. have to go so, into uh, that. Uh, you know, where could everybody check out UEW? UEW, go on to Facebook, check out uh, Underground Empire Wrestling page. There is also the UEW Underground Themes page. A lot's going on there. Of course, stuff publicly on my Facebook, the Facebooks of Homeless Jimmy, uh, uh, Halfbreed Billy Graham, uh, JD Horror, Sage Supreme, the Cult Fiction fan page, also a place you can find link. Of course, our UITV show is on uh, broadcast on Vimeo. There's a weekly episode there. And uh, there's another company that puts out some pretty good highlight stuff every month. Watch for uh, there's a bunch of new promos up there right now online, uh, uh, hyping the show this weekend. And so, uh, you know, just join us, man. Get in, get in on the ride, man, because we're we're all going on a journey, man. We're going on an adventure, and Underground Empire Wrestling is going to become the place to be and the place to watch. Um, I don't. I'm not even. This is just. It's a fact, Jay. It's a fact. It's time yeah. that it, there was a new player in the indie scene and that had a different approach and started getting the right pieces in place from the get-go and the right game plan. And that's what's fucking happening. Things are happening here, man. So, you know, I'm so fucking happy and I'm so grateful to Jimmy, almost Jimmy, uh, to Andre Verdun, Michael Romans, to everybody, J.D. Horror, Sage Supreme, Kyle Wild, everybody in the UEW locker room, uh, you know, friend or foe, um, all the UEW fiends and all the, the people that have always supported Cult Fiction, my friends, J.U., Paul Milner, everybody that's all you know how, there's so many of you. I can't name you all. You know I mean every single one of you guys. Toby, Brandon, Brig, Kevin, you know, uh, Matt, everybody, Tank, that's been a part of Cult Fiction, you know, uh, we're, we're doing it, guys. So, you know, love yeah. you all, love everybody, you know, that uh, you I man, I feel bad that I just didn't get to put over so many more people that I've worked with in, in the business, you know, right now that we don't have three days. So I can name a list of every single person that I think just the world of in wrestling, you know what I mean? And thank all of you guys and know that I'm always watching your shit and I'm always proud of what all of you guys are doing and girls and girls always. 
Absolutely. Well, yeah, Billy. Um, is there anything else you want to put out there, plug or anything? Well, fuck, man. I'll talk to you a little bit more. What the fuck? Why doesn't somebody call in on this show, man? Is anybody listening? Nah, Hello. They don't. Take calls. <laughs> oh, you don't take calls? Oh, okay. Nah, nah. Yeah, maybe that'd be a good idea. Yeah. Um, why do you why do you ask me something off uh, off this topic of Billy Graham? Why do you, you kind of pick my head on something that's going on that you would normally talk about if you didn't have a guest? Because I'm always interested in your opinions about such things. So, um, well, uh, shit. Uh, I mean, obviously a big hot topic lately. Uh, the whole COVID saga. What's your thoughts on that? Oh wow, man. Yeah, I got some opinions <laughs> on all that. I, I I do, of course. Uh, funny because uh at the last UEW show um I got you know I went out and did a some mic work there at the beginning of the show and the first thing I said was underground empire wrestling I have come here to chew bubblegum and talk shit and I am all out of bubblegum on that of course know who the tribute was there to that but then you know as before we left the ring me and JD I did as I was going off on his opponent, Max X, of that night, I did say, Max X, we're coming to get you, nigga. Like, I, I you know, I did. I said that um, in the middle of a wrestling ring. And I'd really like to apologize to the entire UEW and hope that you will not erase my name from any future Hall of Fames for UEW or... Um, DVD releases, T-shirts. Because no, really, how do I feel about it? Look, man, lots of people in the wrestling business are motherfucking racist, man. I mean, who the fuck is in this business? I, I mean, it doesn't know how many fucking racists there are in the business. Because guess what? People in the wrestling business are people, and in the world, a certain percentage of people walking amongst us are fucking racist. It's the way it is. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it's always going to be. I'm happy I'm not fucking one of them, okay? But it's never been a secret in the wrestling business that certain individuals in the business are very, very racist. You know, Michael right. Hayes, Jim Ross, these stories do not come up over and over and over again. I've had people that dealt and worked with the men directly that have told me personally stories of the things that were said to them. Um, Terry Bollea, I'm sure... If I were ever to be socially interacting with him, I would get along just fine. I mean, I, you know, cannot not recognize his contributions to the professional wrestling business. Uh, you know, he's not my dad. He's not my husband. I, I don't live with him. So as far as what kind of person he is behind the scenes or whatever, it really doesn't concern me. He's never... Now, is my general perception, well, you know, we all hear a lot of shit, you know, about how people are in the business, whatever, but we weren't the one there working with them, you know, but do I think he should be erased from WWE history because he's a racist? I don't, okay? But, I mean, he, I mean, he he's one of these people, He, you know, Jay, I, I, people in the wrestling, I don't think Hulk knows he's a racist. I, I no. I think those words were said out of anger at that time, and guess what? That anger at that time is the truth of your subconscious mind. You, you, you know, he's. There's a lot of people like that. Any person of color or a person who isn't a racist understands this. That there are people that do not think that they are racist, but they are. Okay, so 
there's no doubt that Hulk Hogan is a racist. If he wasn't a racist, he wouldn't say, at least my daughter can fuck a nigger, then a nigger. You don't, you know, dude, that's a fucking racist thing. Okay. Now, like, you know, uh, we don't see eye to eye on shit like that. And that's why, like I said, we might be socially polite at a bar or a meeting or whatever like that, but I don't want to like go rolling down the road with the motherfucker and have him picking the tunes on the radio and, you know, kind of being his wingman. Cause I just, think there's just a lot of things about him other than being a racist that wouldn't be really the kind of cat I'd want to hang out with. You know what I mean? But now, right. as far as erasing him from wrestling history, it's nonsensical, as is the erasing of Chris Benoit. It is ridiculous. Something went wrong, man. Crazy shit in this world, people. Get over it. There are tragedies, man. There's tragedies in this world, and it's you cannot erase a performance work. You can't erase who that person was for the totality of their life despite what they w- might have done at any given moment of it. You can't. It's just this This is crazy. How are we learning anything? How are we telling the truth? Right. We change everything. As it happens, we reinvent it. You know what I mean? Now, for the people out there all over the internet with an IQ of about 62 that are saying, oh, Vince McMahon's a hypocrite. He said nigga on a promo with Booker T and, and, and John Cena. Fucking idiots. What the fuck does that have to do with Hulk Hogan? Yeah, that nigger. Let me tell you something. When this, all the heat Vince gets that's from real shit, it's still not anybody's shit really to be giving him the heat for. Just haters got to talk shit, right? What I'm saying is, right, that the fucking bit with John Cena, the wigger, white rapper motherfucker, right, that, you know, ugh, Right? And Vince McMahon, yo, my nigga. And Booker T going, tell me he did not just say that. Like, how do they take a work and hold it up as hypocrisy against something that's real? Right? And the thing is, that work was based on the opposite mentality. You, you know what I mean? That, yeah, right. that, you know, where do these people get off thinking it's cool? You know what I mean? Like, Vince wasn't looking cool when he called Cena his nigga. He wasn't looking cool, okay, people? It wasn't to put it over that that was proper. It was quite the opposite. And it was also after right. all the times Booker got to say, tell me he didn't just say that. It was like that whole gimmick was destined for that one moment when it would be the ultimate one. Because seriously, how many people when they heard Hulk Hogan going, man, fucking nigger, blah, 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 how many people were saying, tell me he didn't just say that? Right. <laughs> so... You know, I don't believe that their work should be erased, but I do believe that whether he wants to, you know, stress up or not, he he has race issues and always has. And, that you know, look, he grew up in Florida in a certain era and, you know, in a swamp and fucking in a gym culture with white males and eating steroids. You know, like, what would we expect him to be in real life? A, you know, I don't know. I mean, if the motherfucker comes out jumping a Bible later, crying about it and shit like that, I'm just shutting the TV off. Do you understand what I mean? I yeah. mean, I, I, you know, just kind of from like his daughter's shitty music to his son's whole scandal to his public shit with his wife, which I think, you know, just like, you know, again, another person made into a scapegoat is his wife by the public, it's like, whatever, man. Like, she got your money, bro. You know what I mean? Like, she's moved on. Like, so, I don't know. It's just like, uh, I don't know about that guy, dude. I think, I hate to say it, but like, okay, I I will. 
I, I hate to say it. I think Hulk Hogan, man, is really high on the watch list, dude, right now. After all the shit he's weathered, I just think that fucker's on the watch list, man, as far as the death pool goes. If anybody's a betting person or anything, you can contact me on Facebook yeah. after you go to him. Give you five to one. He's done within the next couple of years. I just can tell. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. There's something wrong there. But, oh, the loss of Roddy Piper, we could talk about that, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's a tremendous loss of the wrestling business. Uh, you know, I mean, just previously lost Dusty Rhodes and then followed Roddy yeah. Piper. We're losing to all the all the biggest legends. I mean, Roddy, of course, I was lucky enough, like I mentioned earlier, that oh, over a period of like twelve or thirteen years, I kept getting to run into the guy and hang out with him. And I mean, you know, at one you know at one point, you know, I worked at his table with him and his son for the whole weekend. Um, just got to hang out with him many times and just like was encouraging of everything, listened to my whole story, or, you know, wanted to know my shit in wrestling and what had happened, was supportive when I was having the drama of, uh, you know, the, the tension in CZW in that last year, you know what I mean? And just, he called me champ and just, you know, I was looking forward to doing other shit with the guy and he was just so encouraging of, not just people, I mean, of course, people in the wrestling business, but just people in general all around them. You know, he just loved everybody. He made everybody smile. And, you know what I mean, just uh, what a what a tragic, you know, like too soon kind of thing on that side of it. And, I mean, his contributions to the business, you could sit here for the next fucking two weeks and never stop talking about the greatness that was the hot ride, you know. Um and Dusty, oh shit, man! I mean, what, what you know, talk about? I mean, see, people forget with the it's same thing. That's another thing Andre Verdun and I have in common is our fan of that like NWA stuff. You know that like mm-hmm. these guys were like on house shows, like you know, sometimes seven and eight times a week. You know, in a week is hard, right? But every night, you know, like Dusty and the Horsemen, like fucking mad color, like fucking brawls, man, that were still wrestling matches that with just such heat and believability, you know, like wherever you would see it, you know what I mean? And so Dusty just, fuck, man, he's he's a major contributor to fucking hardcore wrestling and fucking ultra-violence, I mean, and, and to yeah. telling a story and be, being committed, like I said, to believe in a character, you know what I mean? Dusty Rhodes is that motherfucker, man, you know what I mean? And, and, and again... A guy that did what behind the scenes? You know, that creativity was such a part that he had so much. He could develop and shape other talent and other stars and right angles and all that other stuff. He was bigger than just the persona, and he was bigger just everything as from a family man to a promoter to a creator to a, a, a schooler of, of young people in the business, let alone what he contributed, you know, in the ring and in front of so many fans, millions of fans, you know, all over. Yeah, just... Just not expected, like boom, gone. You know, so yeah, yeah. Um, another guy who you know has pretty much been keeping WWE has kept him out of the limelight, has kept him out of uh, any sort of promotion. It's definitely not in a good way. Is uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan? What's your thoughts on that? Oh man, you know, dude, I've actually spent time thinking about it and looking at it, and it really. I mean, just, you know me, dude. I'm not one of these guys looking to always criticize the E and fucking criticize Vince. I'm not that guy, you know. Like, I, I take the opposite stance on a lot of all that WWE dirt and bullshit that people dish out. 
I, I'm an admirer of a lot of shit about Vince McMahon in general. Um, but mm-hmm. but I will tell you this, and it doesn't have anything to do with like you know grabbing a referee by the hair and you know shoving her face between his legs or no shit like that. That's not that's not my like fan base thing isn't on that. Um, it's what he did as a promoter and character and everything else. But anyway, uh, I think it's really fucked up. Um, I don't like it. Bobby Heenan is alive right now. He's like every weekend at some. He's he's seeing as many of his fans and friends and former coworkers and just people, you know, that he can constantly. And he's out there. And it, it to me is very very obvious that they do not want to show him on WWE television because of you know what's happened to him physically. Um, it's, it is hard. It's really, really fucking hard to see Bobby Heenan physically look the way he does now. But, I mean, he's still alive right now, man. And, like, every time you don't – I mean, to me, man, he should be out there every night on Raw if he's willing. You know what I mean? Like, just because he knows what's going on. His mind is right. there. You know? I Like, and I just think it just fucking because, I mean – for me, life was never the same once fucking goddamn, you know, when Nitro went off the air, you know, and all of a sudden I lived in a world without Bobby the Brain Heenan and Ric Flair talking shit on my television all of a sudden every week after how many decades of it. I mean, I went through fucking, I think that shit fucking fucked me up, man, you know, because I just needed those guys, man, you know, <laughs> like they're my yeah. fucking release, you know, and so... Yeah, I really, really am upset about it. I'm real. I think that they should be trying to accommodate that, and people should get over their lack of comfort and just, you know what I mean? Like, like, please let him meet as many of the people and let them see him as they can right now. You know, let him feel that love from all of us for everything that he gave. And 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 you know, bottom line is, man, back in the MySpace days, man, Bobby used to like encourage me and, and talk to me once in a while and shit like that, you know what I mean? And, and just, like, just guy, the guy's just was fucking an ace card. Like, that character that you saw on television, like, you know, even before that, a couple times, meeting him, he, like, he was that guy as far as his wit, you know, his quick mm-hmm. wit and all that stuff. And I think it's still there, and I, and I can see it, you know what I mean? And so I just, you know, yeah, it, it's tragic that they are kind of doing something to make, people not feel uncomfortable and I don't think it's the right um, measuring stick you know as far as what should be a priority I don't you know, So, uh, and I right. love Bobby the Brain I love you Bobby man I hope you live another fucking hundred fucking years and, and still shove it right up their ass man I won't quit because yeah. of you Bobby the Brain Absolutely. Very understandable. Yeah, man. Well, I gotta, I gotta let you go and, uh, you know, wrap this up. So, um, but I mean, you know, you're welcome anytime and definitely have you on again what very I would like soon. To... And, uh, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I w- thank you so much. So good to talk to you again, my friend. I love you, brother. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you would be like, maybe after, you know, all this mayhem in, in, in the underground in the next week or so, I just want, you know, letting you know that, you know, J.D. Horror and Sage Supreme are now, you know, willing to come and talk with you, man, at any given point that you'd like to have them there. So just you just give your good friend, the leader of cult fiction, a holler, and uh, we'll, at, at any time, they're at your disposal, sir. Absolutely. And, and mad, lo- mad props and loves and lumps and all that other hugs and good shit 
to all my friends and family in the whole wrestling business everywhere, man, from UEW, CZW, IWA, Mid-South, and every place in between, Timbuktu. Keep the faith, everybody, man. Keep kicking ass. Be as safe as you can and fucking believe in yourself, man. You know? And Yakuza yeah. Kick, you are listening to Yakuza Kick Radio with the leader of cult fiction, half-breed Billy motherfucking Graham. How's that for a tag out? I want to hear myself in that mix. I heard all my boys on this so bad. All right, Jay, man. I'll, I'll shut the fuck up now, man. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good night, Billy. I'll be talking to you. All right. Peace out. To the death. All right. Yep. So there you go. That's half-breed Billy Graham. It's been a long time since he's been on the show. Uh, you know, so anyway, I'm going to take a break, uh, play a little Sean Price, you know, uh, come back, talk a little stuff. I really don't have a shitload to cover tonight. But, you know, I'll throw out a couple things that I did want to throw out tonight uh, and wrap this up. <laughs> so real quick, man, it, this fucking blog talk. I put up like three, four new Sean Price songs that I hadn't played on the show before. And um, these motherfuckers sat there loading for like an hour and a half and still are not finished loading. There's like a bar that's halfway loaded on all of them. So I'm going to have to work on it earlier in the week and make sure I get new shit up here. But uh, either way, right now, here's some monkey bars. Knock 
needed mother yo I'm one of the best, you one of the worst Gun on your chest, blood on your shirt, son is berserk, nigga Hey yo, big barbarians, baboons with big bucks Gorillas with gas, nigga, big rock African apes who stack in their pace I put some crack in your state, don't get slapped in the face A ring of tang tang banging with that purple flag This puffin' is nothing to hurt your bag I'm boot camp for life Except it's F the force back and nigga never forget Silverback, gorilla, nigga, baboon raps Ounce of throw, two holes in the black moon track Can you get a light, man? comes out on Friday. Uh, Songs in the Key of Price. I've pre-ordered it already. Uh, if you want to, you know, go get that digital download. All proceeds go to his family. Um, it's on Ducktown, DuckDown.com. And, um, you know, you can go on there. They got all sorts of Sean Price shirts. Again, proceeds go to his family. If you want to go to CrowdRise.com uh, backslash Sean P., um, you know, you can go donate some money to his family and everything else. Um, you know, I, I've done my best to hook them up over there. You know, I'm, I definitely don't have a shitload of extra cash. But I got, um, like I said, I got the CD. I got the, um, the uh, Rest in Peace Show on Price shirt coming to me. And then I got, uh, you know, I threw them like another 10 bucks just on the donation page. So, you know, I threw $40 their way the least I could do for what this guy has put in in his career. And, um, you know, as, as a family, as a wife and three kids that, you know, don't have a father anymore. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't a dude that, that made millions of dollars. I mean, he, as, as you listen to his raps, Sean Price, the brokest rapper, you know, you know, so that dude, you know, he always kept the street. He always kept it rugged. And, um, that's, that's what I liked about the dude, but in the same token, in death, that's that's something that doesn't leave you with a shitload of money. Um, kind of got to take another route in order to end up. It's funny too, like if you watch like his um, they got like a MTV Cribs type shit. He's got like this joint out in Utah, and like it's it's crazy as fuck, man. When you go through it, it's like nothing extravagant about anything. He's got like a dope ass view of like the mountains and shit off the back deck. But the deck ain't shit. Like you know, like there's like here's the master bedroom and like that master bedroom ain't shit. Like there's nothing to it. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 cool as a house and all that, but like it, it's not some like MTV cribs type shit. You could have took, you know, you know, you can you could just find like a house on the street and just have somebody take you through do the same damn shit. Like his fridge was dead ass empty, like. Shit was crazy. So, um, but yeah, like I said, that was my dude. So I'm gonna keep plugging the fuck out of that, uh, you know, crowd rise and all that while it's open. And like I said, just go back and support his shit, man. If you don't know what this dude has put out, go check out the website. You know, uh, DuckDown.com. You know, click on Sean Price in there, and you're gonna see all the albums. 
and um, you know, beyond that, you got the Help the Skeleton albums, and um, you know, great shit, top notch shit. Um, speaking of top notch shit, man, uh, my shirts are on my way to me right now. So by this weekend, the I'm a John Zander guy shirts will be available. So stay motherfucking tuned, cause I, I'm uh, I'm real hyped. I'm real real hyped about that. Um, definitely, uh, you know, go check out Frank Febo. He, he, um, he did the graphic on it. Yeah, I let him know what I wanted and, uh, very patient dude, uh, dealt with all my shit. And, um, yeah, man, uh, he put together real good graphics. He does real good graphic work. So, um, you know, check him out over there and, um, think of what else I got. Oh, let me tell you a little bit about the pepper pong that went on over the weekend. I had uh, talked about it last weekend, or last show, I should say, and over the weekend I had a barbecue, and I set up Pepper Pong. And Pepper Pong, it was um, comprised of ten different types of peppers. Obviously, you got your ten cups, like the beer pong set up, only there's water in the cups. Numbers on the cups. Numbers on Tupperwares with ten different types of peppers in the Tupperwares. You know, you hit a cup, you look at the number of the cup, now you got to eat whatever number of pepper that is. So uh, the, the the real hot shit, I cut into fours, you know, so there was like four slices of peppers, you ate one slice of pepper, and then the, uh, the smaller ones just wasn't going to cut them, you know, so that was like the dragon cayenne, the grandpa's favorite, and the, the orange teapots and shit. Those you had to eat the whole pepper. So at times those would be, you know, those would be a little more shockingly hot to people because you're eating the whole thing, seeds and everything, where the other ones that that bring that serious shit, you're getting a slice of it. But again, um, you know, some pretty hot stuff. Hottest pepper we were eating was the uh, Maruga Scorpion Chocolate, and um, also the Devil's Tongue was in there too. Um, Great stuff. I had a lot of fun. To me, this is the absolute best version of the Pong game, you know, the the quote-unquote beer Pong, because you you think about it, you get together with a bunch of people, you know, you got a barbecue, you got, you know, your little party scene going on. If people are drinking, they're not scared of the beer on the other end of the table. And when I used to drink like a motherfucker, I... I was down in more beer than I would ever drink in that game. If, if I lost the game and had to drink all those cups, I probably still drank more beer that was, you know, I, I'd go through three, four beers during the game that that weren't in those cups. So I, I don't see quite as much of the suspense or the, uh, you know, the game is fun, but, you know, people don't fear – the alcohol on the, on the other end of the table because shit. But, I mean, you're drinking. Fucking emotion that these peppers brought out of people. This is the shit right here. I'm telling you, man. Because you have people that agree to do it and they're down to do it. And, you know, you get your team. So you get one person that's a little stronger at eating peppers. But then you get the other person that doesn't really want to. But their teammate's not just going to let them fucking ride and eat all the goddamn peppers. So they're going to, hey, you got to eat something, you know. And, and we had a lot of that going on. And, um, man, it was fucking funny, man. Funny as shit, man. People bugging the fuck out. Talking about I almost died and fucking uh, 
it's like eating glass and all sorts of quotes came out of this shit, man. It, it was fucking, it, it was just hilarious. Um, and you know, we, we did good. Um, it was me and my daughter, Mary Jane, we're, we're a team. And, uh, you know, we just had, uh, what was it? Three games. So we had, you know, we had, uh, three teams or wait a minute, four teams. So we have four teams. So, you know, we had us play another team, two other teams play, and then the winner of those teams played me and Mary Jane and, uh, you know, um, ACO from work and her husband played in the finals. So, you know, again, not a huge tournament, this and that, but I'll tell you what, man, like with this pepper pong, there's only so much you can fucking play. I mean, you can't go through four rounds of fucking play because you know, that that shit adds up on your stomach too. Like you, by the end of this shit it was like, okay, like we gotta But um but yeah in the finals man it came down to it was uh, it came down to there was two cups left on the other side and they had one cup and one ball. And man, you should have seen the intensity and and just emotion on this woman's face trying to hit this cup. She couldn't have been more, you know, dedicated to get at you. Like, you could see the want in her eyes that, like, if that cup didn't go in, man, we might hit those other two cups, and they would have to eat more peppers, and she just wasn't having it. It was like the end of the fucking world. You don't get this shit with beer pong. Motherfuckers just want to win. Like, oh, I missed the cup. Not like, oh, I missed the cup fuck, I might have to eat more of those goddamn peppers, you know what I mean, like, this shit was, uh, this shit was off the chain, man, so we're definitely going to be doing this again next year, and, uh, you know, hopefully get some more people involved, too, uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of fucking fun, I highly recommend it if you can do that, I know not everybody grows a shitload of different types of peppers, like I did, but, um, you know, possibly even if you did it, I think it was even more fun because I had 10 different types of peppers, but possibly even if you did like a lighter version of it where you did, you know, maybe half of the cups were bell peppers and half of them were habaneros or jalapenos or whatever you can get from the store, um, you know, that's hot. Even if you did it on that level, I think that would be um, still a pretty good game. You know what I mean? Because, man, they sell some pretty hot habaneros in the store. Those orange joints, yeah, they uh, they bring some heat on you. So, um, but, yeah, I highly recommend the game. Um, I actually met my match yesterday uh, on Hot Peppers, though. And during that game, I just, I just want to mention, man, during that game, I ate um, a Maruga Scorpion chocolate and a Jamaican hot chocolate, a piece of each one of them shit's together at the same time and then at the end of the game i an orange teapot a grandpa's favorite and i don't remember what the other one i think like a purple naga or something but i ate all three of them because they they knocked those three cups down to end the game and i i finished that shit off by eating all fucking three of them at the same time and, you know, so that that's, you know, my tolerance is pretty fucking good, man. And I think I was the least affected by anyone in that entire game. And, you know, a couple dudes there were definitely hanging. But um, this shit last night I tried. I tried the um, 
the peach ghost scorpion. For those who don't know, um, a couple years back, you know, it started to get a lot of media hype. The um, the ghost pepper was um, was the world record holder. Well, since then, uh, the Maruga scorpion pepper got the nod over that guy. You know, that shit was hotter than the ghost pepper, so that shit blew that out of the water. Since then, the Carolina Reapers come around and has taken the crown from everybody. And I still have those growing out front. I got one turning red, and it's uh, some scary shit there because that shit's hotter than what I just had yesterday. Now, um, what I had yesterday was, like I said, a peach ghost scorpion. Uh, The peach is the color classification, but ghost scorpion is a hybrid of the Maruga scorpion pepper and the ghost pepper. So you got to figure if you put those two things and and breed them into one, you're talking about some serious fucking fire. So I'd go out on a limb and say these are probably the second hottest pepper in the world because uh, the Carolina Reaper gets the one. And then when you're talking about the Maruga Scorpions with ghost pepper added, uh, I think I think you're talking about serious contenders for uh, at least the number two spot. So I did as I was as I was doing with the other peppers, and I'd slice it into four, um, put gloves on because man, until you cut fucking peppers, eat peppers, forget about it, and then head to the bathroom, um, you know you'll remember to fucking do some different shit the next time. So, um, or rub your eyes, you know, or any of that. But, um, so, you know, you put on gloves, uh, cut the pepper into fours, remove the seeds. Cause you know, unless you're a fucking psycho, uh, you know, the, these shits already bring enough heat. You don't need to fucking eat the seeds too. Unless you're putting in some chili or some shit. But anyway, um, so cut it into fours, and I'm like, all right, here we go. I take the biggest piece of the four, um, and, and I eat it. This motherfucker was the hottest shit I've ever tasted as far as the flavor goes. Fucking crazy intense hot. Chew it, swallow it. All right. I, you know, I could deal with the burning. I get it. You know, the the, the hot part, I, I, could, I could pretty much fucking handle that part, right? So the next thing you got is the inside of my chest is fucking burning. Like you could feel like a pressure and like a burn, like, like it hurts, like it, like an internal pain. Like it wasn't just like a burn or like, you know, like a, like a scratchy throat type of thing. Like it was like a pain. And then the pain was getting lower because obviously the pepper was going down, you know, through my intestines and shit. And when it got like to the intestines part, it was like, you know, if someone punched you in the stomach, that's what it felt like. It felt like like that type of pain internally. So this shit was just like beating the inside of my body like on the way down. And, um, you know, it kept working down. And it was just like I tried to just lay down and like endure it. And um, I just fucking, I, I laid down. Next thing you know, when it hit to my stomach, my stomach must have been like, dude, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do with this here. <laughs> this isn't something I can fucking manage. And, uh, yeah, man, it just, then I started feeling nauseous. Sure enough, man, I had to throw that shit up and, um, my body just fucking rejected it. You know, once, once that pepper, that, you know, piece of pepper got out of me, I felt fine, but fuck, man, uh, I'm going to have to figure out another way to intake that shit because, um, 
just by itself like that shit it was just like an internal beating. And, uh, you know, it'd be fine to just endure that. I'd take all of that shit, but it just wouldn't stay in there. It's not a matter of, like, toughness or I couldn't handle it. Like, I can't tell my insides what to do. That shit forced its way out of my body. So, uh, you know, uh, back to the drawing board on those joints. Um, but, yeah, anybody who wants to get down with some real, real hot shit, you let me fucking know. I'm sure I got a bunch of these shits that are not quite ripe yet, but, um, yeah, I, I can't imagine I'm going to be plowing through multiples of these things. I, I do plan on going back at them in some other form, whether it's mixed with food or, or some form of, or combination, but um, I, I'm not going to be eating like eight of these peppers or anything. And I have a shitload that are going to grow off of this. So, you know, again, hit me up if you want some crazy hot shit. Um, what else? What else? Um, I think that's about all. SummerSlam is Sunday. I, I don't know what the fuck to make of it. I don't know anything about it. Uh, Brock Lesnar is fighting The Undertaker. The Undertaker's a heel, apparently. That's just about the most I got. I think Seth Rollins is fighting Cena, and uh, I think it's for like both belts or some kind of shit. So, so there's that. Um, I'm going to watch it. Uh, that's all I got to say. Um that's all I gotta say. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's pretty much it. I'll definitely have some uh, SummerSlam to cover next week. The first WWE I've watched since the last WWE pay per view. I'm gonna try to pay attention to it. Um, I also have uh, fucking Niners preseason football that's gonna be going on at, at eight o'clock on Sunday, which kind of sucks because it's like at the same fucking time. And because it's not televised, I'll have to use my computer to see it, which makes it almost impossible for me to watch my fucking um, uh, my WWE uh, pay-per-view on my TV. But I don't know. Maybe I could pull it up. I, I think I could pull it up through my TV itself or the um, the PlayStation. My TV is supposed to be smart, so I'll uh, maybe try to give that a run. Or use the PlayStation. But, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll have a bunch to talk about. And um, next week, my guest will be the product, David Starr. So it'll be uh, good to have him on solo. Uh, I had him on once before with, uh, with JT Dunn, who I'm a big fan of too. But, you know, together they were just uh, real gimmicky. Kind of got on my fucking nerves, which I'm absolutely going to tell him next week. And, um so, yeah, it should be good to just get, like, a straight-up interview with the guy and um, looking forward to it. So there's that, SummerSlam, uh, and then, you know, we'll do a little preview on the On Point show. It'll be my first On Point show. And the next time you hear my voice on Yakuza Kick Radio, the I Am A John Zander Guy shirts uh, will be – I Am A John Zander Guy shirts will be for sale. So um, hit me the fuck up over the weekend because I'm sure I'm going to happen by then. You'll see it on Facebook because I'm going to be pretty uh, loud and proud about these fucking shirts. So I think that's about all I got. Check out my dudes over there at the Sports Den. You know, they do their thing. Check them out on Facebook, Sports Den. Um, I said check out Frank Febo and his uh, graphic designs. Uh, 
I don't think Andrew Carluck's doing any shows, but, uh, you know, I support him if he is. So uh, I think that's about it. I think that's all I got. So, yeah, check you out next week. Uh, tell these other guys to fuck themselves. Uh, here's my thing. All right. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness.